0: Hi there, thanks for tuning in. Welcome to the show. Coming to you once again from Lexington, Kentucky. I'll be flying home tomorrow after today's running of the Jessamine Stakes at Keeneland, which is the final win and you're in for the Breeders' Cup. And much build-up to that great event over the next few weeks. But this week, of course, we've been building up to Kipco British Champions Day. And two days ago, I gave you the news that Poetic Flair wouldn't run and that Jim Bolger would... Uh, be in due course releasing a bulletin about his future. That bulletin he did release uh, with the help of Emma Berry from the Thoroughbred Daily News that Poetic Flair would stand at Shaddai Stallion Station in Japan last year and had indeed been retired. So, we'll be talking to Jim, obviously, in a few moments' time. Later in the program, I'll be catching up with uh, jockey Robert Winston, who's made an extraordinary comeback to the saddle two years after he said he would never sit on a horse again, and he's had his first winner this week too, and he tells me why he quit and why he's come back Back. And we get a bulletin from Hong Kong who extraordinarily have had to abandon their fixture at Happy Valley today because of a typhoon But uh, J.A. McGrath brings you news on that and looks forward to Sha at uh, the weekend But first of all, the Jockeys Championship in the UK really has had a, a, an inordinate amount of twists and turns uh, Lee Motta said from the, the Racing Post is with me What happened yesterday, Lee?
1: Well, what happened, Nick, um, was that William Buick closed the ground on on Ashheen Murphy. Um, I think a couple of weeks ago, we probably thought that this title race was pretty much done and dusted. Asheen Murphy had a decent cushion over William Buick, and he looked uh, set to to retain his title again. But in recent days, Ashin has has closed the gap. Uh, it was reduced to four winners on Tuesday. William had a treble. At Leicester. Um, Asheen Murphy clawed back one winner, but that still meant the gap was down to four. 150 to Asheen Murphy, 146 to William Buick. And now they lock horns again together uh, today at Nottingham. And once again, William Buick would appear uh, to have the better chance of riding winners. He has more rides than Asheen Murphy. Uh, And he's got some pretty strong chances too. And what's very interesting, Nick, as well is who he's riding for today at Nottingham and also who he's riding for tomorrow at Chelmsford.
0: Is that John Gosden by any chance?
1: It is John and Thady Gosden, William Buick, teaming up uh, with his old boss for four rides. Um, And it is interesting because throughout this year so far, the Gosdens have provided five mounts for for William Buick. And that's not an indication that they don't still rate William Buick. It's just that they've got their own jockeys. Frankie de clearly is the Gosden team's number one rider. Um, they have um, Rav Havlin, who rides many of the horses, and other jockeys too, some for retained owners. But I think it is interesting that, that William rides four for the team today. Some of those horses are racing in the Godolphin Blues, so William's principal retainer. But he's also teaming up, for example, uh, with a horse, the Lloyd Webbers, with whom he's obviously had tremendous success in the past. So it, it would appear that the Gosden team are throwing the weight behind William today. Rab Havlin is riding elsewhere in a couple of 20-to-1 shots. And then equally interesting, I think, Nick, is if you look tomorrow to Chelmsford, where again uh, the jockey's uh, title battle will will be uh, concentrated with both riders going there, William Buick has a couple of rides for Saeed Bin Sarur. And what's interesting there is that Saeed has traditionally and increasingly so have been very fixed on using the jockeys that he wants to use and for example he he doesn't really use James Doyle Um, he hasn't used in the past other jockeys that that Charlie Appleby has been associated with but on this occasion William will have two strong rides for Saeed at Cheltenham. so it's evident that team Godolphin and all connected to that team including John Gosden, John and Thady Gosden are really doing all they can to make William Buick the champion jockey. And I think that just intensifies interest in what, for me, is is, is a really fascinating uh, narrative to this final week of the flat season. Uh,
0: let me ask you a question. Asheen uh, Murphy has ridden more or had more rides for John and Thady Gosden and significantly more for Saïd Bin Saru this season than has William Buick. Are you inferring from all of this that there is now a three-line whip from the top of uh, of Godolphin or within Godolphin, saying, right, this is our man. Come on, you've got to help our man out.
1: I'm not sure it's quite as simple as that, in that Asheen rides for Saeed, uh, at for tomorrow as well. He rides also a Dubai Icon uh, in the 8 o'clock race. So Asheen is still getting support from uh, from Said Bin Saroo, who I think, you know, and he also rides, uh, discovered Dubai for, for Saeed as well in in one of the races there. So I, I don't think it's as simple as saying that, that Team Godolphin are purely... Behind um, William Buick, and I think Say will always be allowed free rein to use people who he wants to use. But I, but I think it is interesting that a trainer within the Godolphin setter who hasn't really used William Buick, certainly not used him this year at all, is giving him rides tomorrow. And I, I think they're doing what they can to 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 make it happen. I spoke to William Buick probably three or four weeks ago now it, on on Mill Reef Day at, at Newbury, and he was saying there how much the whole team wanted him to be champion jockey, right up to, to Sheikh Mohammed, wanted him to, to, to win this title. Um, and I think, again, it's, it's, good, it's good for the competition. You know, we, we sail along this, this is an event that, that briefly had, had sponsorship, but really it's down to the honour of the title. Um, and I think it, it, it's great that, that two jockeys, two very high-profile jockeys, are giving it so much effort Um, at a time when they've also got Champions Day to look forward to.
0: Well, William Buick's agent is Tony Hind, who has helped many jockeys to championships in the past. Uh, Tony, I know we're going to talk at length on Sunday. It'll all be done and dusted by then. You'll have either won, lost or drawn. Um, How are you feeling with, what are we, three days to go? Yeah, I'm feeling very relaxed, Nick, about
2: it, to be perfectly honest with you at the moment. Um, I suppose the more tense time will come on Friday after what we've done today and tomorrow and see where we see where we're lying. Um, I'm not sort of, I'm not that type of, uh, human being that gets, you know, my head gets fried or anything like that. I'm a, I'm a pretty stubborn man. And you know, I, I believe, I believe we can do it. Um, if I didn't, if I didn't have belief, there's no point in doing it. And, uh, even when we were, like, 12 behind five or six days ago, you know, William rang me and he was talking to me and about something else and then he just come out and said, you still... Working out well, you know. I'm pretty, re- I'm pretty relaxed about it all at the moment, Nick. And um, whether I'll be relaxed about it on Friday,
0: I don't know. You know, depends which way it it, it is. Um, can you relate this to any of the championships you've marshaled before? Does this feel like, like a previous experience in any way? No.
2: When I made uh, Ryan champion, we had it like three times. We had it one from a long way out um I suppose you can relate it a little bit to Richard's use and uh, the closest it comes to because with Richard we were 29 behind with um but I had it one quite a long way out but if you remember that that was when it finished on Doncaster day in November so we had an extra three week window um the closest it's got to come to is Jim Crowley um but um we were chasing a top-class jockey that done eight stone in Sylvester, uh, De Um but we had it we had it sewn up with with a week to go. So then I was relaxed. So I can't really relate it to any of them really because you know we're t- we're too close to the to the finishing line.
0: All right. So this is a slightly new experience. I mean, we've been talking about this this morning on the podcast. And we've noted who some of the trainers are now who are throwing their weight behind William Buick. And we were wondering, right, has Has the order come now from, from the top of Godolphin? Right, Saeed, you've got to give him some rides. John Gosden's giving him a ton of rides this week. I'm guessing that's not an accident. No, I don't I don't go poaching for rides. they got their
2: jockeys. Um, I just looked like Tim used to be with the winner I gave him yesterday. I see that David Allen had a 10-day ban. Um, and I just uh, saw it when it got declared, I didn't have a ride in the race. And I just rang him and um, just asked, said, look, William's sitting in the weighing room. I see David Allen suspended. Would you like him to ride? And yeah, so, and with John Gosden, like I saw Rab Havlin was elsewhere. So I rang Mr. I just rang the office and just said, um, would you like William? Uh, and I, d- I did actually say, you know, obviously you know the situation and I see Rab's at another meeting. And, um, and he uh, he come back to me and, and gave me the rights. So, you know, it's not like trainers are saying, oh, we want to help you. You know, we're, I'm just doing my job from my end. And they're, and they're helping me along because I'm ringing them, if that makes sense. They're not
0: ringing me and saying we want to push you, you know. So it might well run right to the last moment on, on British Champions Day, which is the sort of stuff that the organisers would have dreamed of when they when they created this end to the Jockeys' Championship. We mentioned the day before yesterday that one horse who wouldn't be on British Champions Day was Poetic Flair, and you could read between the lines, really, that it was unlikely that he was going to race again next season, That a stallion deal was brewing. Lee, a stallion deal has brewed. Where is he off to?
1: Well, Jim Bolger is a man who never fails to surprise, and he has surprised again uh, Nick Emma Berry, um Reported today in Thoroughbred Daily News that Poetic Flair has been uh, retired from racing and will stand at Shaddai Stallion Station in Japan from next year. Um, those of those listeners um, who have an interest in Japanese racing and bloodstock will know that the Yoshida brothers are exceptionally dominant in Japan. Uh, Teru Yoshida um, has had enormous success; stands uh, 31 stallions. Uh, Poetic Flair will be joining that band next year it was certainly a move that I didn't anticipate Nick like you I expected that retirement beckoned after he was taken out of the QE2 on Monday but I hadn't foreseen uh, this particular move Um, it's interesting in a number of ways it's it's a new direction of travel for Jim Bolger, who says that himself. he He's quoted uh, talking to, to Emma Berry saying, I'm sure many race will be disappointed not to see him at Ascot, and I'm disappointed in myself. He's not going there, but it wasn't possible. Uh, he'll be standing at Shaddai, uh, and he says, this is a first for me, but it's a great opportunity for the horse, and I will be supporting him with mares myself, even though it won't be that straightforward. So, a real new direction of travel, as I say, for, for, for Jim Bolger. Um, some ironies in it too, one of them being that if Poetic Flair was a horse trained in Japan, Nick, this would be almost unthinkable. Uh, their, their culture is very much that a horse who retires at three retires, leaving any number of questions still to be answered. Their great horses all race on to at least the, their four-year-old season, unless injury intervenes. So that they're getting a horse here who is doing who has done something in retiring at three that wouldn't have happened with one of their horses. Conversely, you can make the point that Poetic Flair was very heavily campaigned this season. Had a tremendous campaign uh, with with multiple group one winner, I thought particularly impressive at Royal Ascot. And hopefully he'll be a a great advertisement for for what Jim Bolger has done over here in Japan. Um, But I I think it is an interesting move. um, And again, another case of Jim Bolger surprising us greatly.
0: Well, Jim Bolger is is with me now. Um, Jim, just talk talk us through the the mechanics of a decision like this to to retire a horse like Poetic Flair, who you described as fitter than you and me, and in, in really good heart, and to go to to stud in Japan.
3: Yeah, well, naturally, I preferred if we were going to study in Ireland or in uh, Europe, anyway. Uh, but uh, circumstances didn't permit that, so. Uh, hence he has to go to japan and as you know uh i run a semi um commercial operation and uh i have to keep the wheels on the wagon and uh it was the same that i had to do um reluctantly i might add i i think he was tailor-made for a four-year-old career but uh uh, nobody in this part of the world seemed to want them as a four-year-old, so uh, I, I, uh, I, was, I was left with only one option, and uh, I had to take that option.
1: How,
0: how much did you agonise over it?
3: Well, I knew that from uh, Roy Lascot onwards that uh, something had to happen. In 2021, and uh, I, the sort of person I am, I would always wait and see and wait and see, and uh, so nothing happened. So I didn't have to agonise. It was just a business decision then that was made at that stage.
0: I, I mean, it makes it, you're sort of making it sound as though really just nobody in in Ireland was at all interested in in him as a stallion prospect. Would you ever have imagined standing him yourself? It's not you. I mean, you've stood lots of stallions with varying degrees of success.
3: Yeah, well, it's not a business that I want to get into. Uh, I I have enough on my plate, so uh, no, um, I, I I don't intend going into the stand business. But uh, uh, hence, the decision had to be made that. Uh, um, I had to realise uh, his value, and uh, nobody in this part of the world uh, stepped up to the mark. So uh, I was only left
4: with the one option.
0: Have you have you given any consideration to to why that is? Is it, is it a fashion thing? Is it a pedigree thing? What's not to like about him as a as a potential stallion? Do you think?
3: Well, not for the first time uh, for it to happen to any stallion, but uh, uh, Don Approach has fallen out of favor um, for the commercial breeders. And uh, I think there was a, a strong connection then in people's minds between Don Approach and Poetic flair, And that's understandable as well. But if they went back over the... Uh, uh, the history books of racing and breeding, uh, stallions that have been by stallions that didn't really make it as stallions themselves, have produced very good stallions, so uh, uh, I have no concerns about him in that regard. I, I think he'd be a phenomenal success, uh, and I wish Shaddai every success with him.
0: I mean, the one thing we know it well. The, the the three things we know are that he's sound, tough, and fast. Um, I I noted that that Japan are now buying more uh, milers to add to the bunch of middle distance horses that they've successfully stood over the years. Do you see this as part of a growing international trend, Jim? Uh,
3: no, I don't. Uh, I I think. Uh Japan isn't all that much different to other racing uh, nations in that uh, you know they'll have a spread of stallions but I mean this horse should have been particularly attractive to anybody because uh, uh, you know he he proved himself on the track and uh, he has the looks and the physique and the temperament and the mind and you know everything that uh, you could look for in a race horse, uh, he had it, and to use the well-worn cliché, if ever there was a horse to tick all the boxes, he certainly did, and the only place he came up a little bit short was when the ground wasn't to his liking, um, we discovered after Roy Lascott only, a bit late in the day, uh, that... He had a huge preference for the good ground, and uh, uh, as I said, the only time he came up short was when, when, when the going uh,
0: was a little bit easier than good. Uh, and I, I know you're pragmatic, and I realize that you're running a commercial operation, or a semi, as you put it, a semi-commercial operation. When he, when he gets onto that box to get on the plane to go to Japan, how will you feel personally?
3: Um, Obviously, I would love to have had him, uh, but uh, I I wouldn't be a hugely sentimental person, and I regret the fact that he's leaving both from, uh, from a next year's racing point of view and from the point of view that he's not going to be available to people who did admire him. Uh, for them to use uh, as a style. So from that point of view, uh, I I would have regrets, uh, but there won't be any pining.
0: Let's talk about Champions Day itself. It's had plenty of play, obviously, on the pod during the course of the week, but so it should. It is the the single biggest day in, in, in British horse racing. Um, what is uh, the aspect of it this year, Lee, that you are most looking forward to?
1: I think the the depth of it, Nick. I think the depth that you, you you were very kind to reference in the pod yesterday. A special report uh, I, I put together for the for the post this week, looking at the the tenth anniversary of Champions Day and 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 marking its progress. And I'd say, in many ways, the Champions Day we have got this year on Saturday is absolutely the epitome of probably what they have always been hoping to achieve. I think it's a superb card. Um, two weeks ago, we were in Paris for the for Art Weekend. And I, I think you can very much say that outside of the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe, those two days there, I think, generally speaking, the, the depth, the quality of competition has probably gone down. I don't think the supporting races are as strong as they used to be. And I think in some ways that has to be linked to the strength of the, the British Champions Day races. Um, contests like the Phillies and Mare Stakes, like the, uh, the Champion Sprint, like the Long Distance Cup, I think have taken horses away from Paris and directed them towards Ascot. Um, and I think that is a, a mark of the success of this day. I think if you look at every one of the races, there are there are reasons to be intrigued by what is going to be taking place before us on Saturday. We're going to have largely big fields. We're going to have very competitive racing, and we're going to have some superstar horses, principally of course in in the QE2 and the Champion Stakes. And I think we await the declarations for those races on Thursday morning uh, with with tremendous interest because they, they they could both be absolute humdinger.s The ground looks set to be quicker than we have associated in the past with Champions Day. It's drying ground here. Chris Dickles, I think, is expecting, based on the current forecast, good to soft ground, which I think would be perfectly acceptable um, for a flat meeting in the middle of October in any, in any year. Um, I'm not one myself, Nick, who bothers about the meeting taking place on soft ground. I, I would be very much with those like Andre Farben, and John Ox, who say that soft ground is just a different test of a horse and that we're in the autumn and you're going to get soft ground. Um, but it, it, it's a, maybe a welcome change, just for, just for a change, that the meeting will take place on a, on a quicker surface. And it looks set to attract some absolutely fantastic horses.
0: Well, it's been a very notable week for jockey Robert Winston, who had two years off the track or two years in retirement, essentially, and then uh, came back with a, a ride in the Legends race at, at Doncaster, and that was to presage a return to the saddle proper, which culminated in a winner on Broxy for Dean Ivory a couple of days ago. And Robert joins me now. Great story, Robert. First of all, you've been back a couple of weeks. You've got a winner under your belt. How are you feeling about the whole game, and how are you feeling in yourself? I'm feeling in myself. I'm,
4: I'm feeling great. You know, I'm very fit. Um, you know, I'm working very hard. You know, and you know, very excited to you know, hopefully. Another stint in the saddle again for, you know, hopefully a number of years.
0: Really looking forward to it. What turned the corner for you? What made you think, right, I'm. I, I there's unfinished business here? I think it was the fact that, you know, I
4: unexpectedly ended up riding out one morning over at bone Burrows. And um, as soon as I got the leg up, that was it, I got the bug. Um, originally, the story had it that, and the story is true, there was a like a pupil assistant on a rehabilitation yard at Shadwell come up the job. And um, I happened to give Richard Hills a call just just inquired if he was that available still and that slot gone. Um and he he offered me a job to Dr. Owens as a work rider. Well, at that time I was very heavy, I was like eleven stone three on the scale, that, you know, I was too heavy to be a work rider and, you know, explained to Richard. And he encouraged me to Take at least a half a stone off, and, and, and he said, you, you will enjoy it, the lovely horses. And I went away, started training, took a half a stone off, got Richard the ring back two or three weeks later, and said, I'm ready to start and give it a go. And that was it. That's when it start, all started. When, when, I, when I when I did retire, I, you know, at that, that point in my life, I wasn't in a very good place. You know, I had a, I had a lot of complications in my life at that time. Um, we were, you know, I, w- I was running a racehorse rehabilitation yard and, you know, I was taking horses on holiday, run, you know, had had broodmares and a bit of everything and I just, it just, it just wasn't going great, you know, that particular time in my life and um, everything folded and, as I said, you know, it was, uh, you know, w- when I was moving on in my life from the racehorse re- rehabilitation yard and stuff like that and that and when I, you know, when I did Hard from riding. I actually said I would never sit in another horse ever again. And
0: there you go. Here I am now. Funny how things turn out. You've got you've you've got rides today. One of which has got a, a pretty good chance as well. Uh, do do you do you set yourself targets now? Do you have big ambitions left to fulfil? Yes, I mean I've ridden I've ridden over
4: like I've ridden sixteen hundred and fifty plus winners. You know, just in the UK alone. Um, So, my my, my main ambition is to, the goal is to get to the 2,000 and just, you know, ride just over 2,000. You know, I think that would be a great achievement, you know. There's, you know, there's not particularly a hell of a lot of jockeys that that have done that in their careers and I think, you know, if I can come back and do that, you know, that would be a great achievement for me. Um, And we'll just see what happens from there on in. Obviously, I'd love to I'd love to get the opportunity to ride in big races again and, you
0: know, you know, so we'll see how it goes. All right, Robert Winston there. Good luck to him. Now, time to go to Hong Kong, well, or not go to Hong Kong. Here's Jim McGrath.
5: Nick, I feel this report should be filed by Carol Kirkwood or one of her BBC weather colleagues. Maybe Thomas Schaffernacker. He seems to deliver a lot of the foreign weather forecasts. The reason is that Typhoon Compassu, sweeping down China's eastern seaboard has seriously disrupted life in Hong Kong and I'm afraid it has forced the cancellation of today's Wednesday fixture at Happy Valley. It's the first time since September 2018 that the weather has claimed a Hong Kong jockey club meeting and only the 10th in 22 years to be cancelled in these circumstances. Typhoon Kompasu, I believe Kompasu is Japanese for compass. I do hope I've pronounced it correctly, is the second typhoon in four days to hit Hong Kong. It's closed the stock market, government buildings, including the Legislative Council, schools, offices, restaurants, they're all shut. Public transport is minimal, and of course, the obligatory panic buying in supermarkets as Hong Kongers get ready to bunker down until the typhoon literally blows over. And that's expected to be uh, late Wednesday afternoon, local time, leaving no time for the Jockey Club's 8,000 employees to get to the track and set up. The Hong Kong Jockey Club will apply to the government for a replacement fixture later in the year. Uh, December 29th has been mentioned and that means that local punters will be kicking their heels waiting for Sunday's big meeting at Chartin, where I can report that French ace Alexis Badel has picked up the plum ride on Nabu Attack, David Hayes's rising star in the Group Two Premier Bowl over 1200 metres, six furlongs. No, Zach Purton has not been jocked off. He can't make the weight of eight stone two. Hence the call for the Frenchman who can. Alexei is proving a real star in Hong Kong. This season, he's assumed the number three peg behind the big two, Marira and Purton, muscling past Karis Teton. And Bedell already has eight winners on the board. Nabo Attack is a monster of a horse, one of the most exciting Hayes has ever had in Hong Kong. So that's it on the Hong Kong Beat. A truncated report this time, I'm afraid. Normal service will resume next week.
0: Jim McGrath there with his report from Hong Kong. It's an ill typhoon that blows nobody any good, Lee Motta said, and hopefully you can find us a winner or two this afternoon.
1: Uh, I am going, I'm going to go jumping this afternoon, Nick. Uh, Weatherby on this particular Wednesday, when I were a lad, uh, it was always one of my favourite days. I was at uni at York and even before then I'd often pop along to Weatherby for its first jumps meeting. The Bobby Renton chase was a cracker. You used to get some really good novices racing there as well. I think truth be told, Nick, this particular day has has dipped um in recent seasons there's there's not the excitement that there used to be around it the bobby renton certainly isn't the race that it used to be but i'm going to go in it i'm going to tip uh, the rebecca menzies train road warrior to win under henry brooke won the won his last four three races uh, last season and i'm tipping him to make it for this afternoon
0: lee thanks so much thank you for listening we will see you again tomorrow bye-bye